Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within. To seek out new joys and new methods of awakening. To boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, Awareness Explorers. It's good to have you back. We have a guest explorer today, Dr. Gail Brenner, which I'm excited about because she really specializes in the integration of psychotherapy and awakening, and we'll be introducing her in a moment. But uh, I want to say hello to my co-host, Brian Tom O'Connor. Good to see you again, as always. And um, Brian, you're quite familiar with Dr. Brenner, so I thought I would give you a chance to introduce her and uh, before we put her on the hot seat for at answering all our questions about psychotherapy and awakening. Oh, thanks very much, Jonathan. And thank you very much, Gail, for, for coming on our I'm Happy on our to be show. here. I'm going to read just a little introduction for our listeners. Gail Brenner, PhD, is a clinical psychologist, author, and speaker whose work offers a bridge between psychology and spiritual understanding. Her work as a psychotherapist invites people to return to their essential wholeness, to shed false identities and realize the truth of who they are. Through investigating her own experience and working with clients for over 25 years, Gail has discovered how to unravel common problems of everyday life to reveal the deepest acceptance and peace. Gail has written many published articles on coping with stress and chronic medical illness, and she's the author of the books the End of Self-Help, At the Core of Every Heart, and Suffering is Optional. So welcome to Awareness Explorers, Gail. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I particularly like the subtitle of your book, The End of Self-Help, which is Discovering Peace and Happiness Right at the Heart of Your Messy, Scary, Brilliant Life. Because this is such a hopeful idea that we can have a brilliant and happy life, even though it's messy and scary. Is that the idea behind the, the subtitle and the book? Absolutely. And, um, you know, who doesn't have a messy and scary life, you know, at some point right. or another? So it's um, the subtitle portrays the possibility of being able to work with our experience as it is and as it shows up. So people tend to have a view of awakening as some perfection or perpetual bliss state or something like that. And it's really not like that. It's like right in the middle of our lives. And so that subtitle is about how to discover, and that's what the book is about actually, how to discover the peace that's possible right in the middle of whatever we're experiencing in the human life. That's good because that's what we experience most of the time. We don't spend all our time on meditation cushion. Exactly. So I'm curious, um, how do you, how do you differentiate awakening from, say, somebody who's just kind of psychologically healthy? That's an interesting question. So awakening is the realization that there's no separate self. There's no entity that is limited or separate or even a, a person who has problems or struggles in the world. It's the, end of that identity or seeing through 
the illusory nature of that separate identity and realizing ultimately that you're one with everything and intimate with all experience and there's just this experiencing that that's um, free of any kind of personal identification. Um, in a, a person who is healthy and feels good in their life, they may not understand the end of the separate self, but you know, there's probably quite a bit of awakened living there that we may not call it that because we call it psychologically healthy, but somebody who doesn't get caught in patterns, who sees their addictions and doesn't move into them, who feels intimate in their relationships, um, you know, these are all signs of, of uh, a flow of, un, of being one with the unfolding of life and not resisting life. So um, in that sense, you know, there are probably differences. I would imagine that someone who identifies themselves as psychologically healthy, if they still have anxiety, if they still, you know, find areas where uh, they get stuck in their lives, those are still areas for investigation. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about um, this illusion of the separate self um, in, in your bio on, on your website, and, and you just brought it in, you said the illusion of the separate self is a, is a doorway to enduring happiness. But how do we break that identification, with the, particularly with the body? I, I'm, I'm asking because I think this is challenging for a lot of people. Um, for example, if you were to ask me to define my separate self, I probably would point to my body. And it doesn't seem that my body is an illusion, uh, is an illusion. So what is that separate self that's an illusion? And how do we come to, to see that? I think most people define the separate self in psychological terms. Like, I'm a person with problems. Or I, ultimately, it is the body, but it's also this psychology that, uh, that makes up their thought patterns and mm -hmm. history and you know, the things that they think about and the problems that they think they have. The, the breaking of that illusion, you know, th those are strong words. So I, I, it, I, I want to encourage softening around that. We can't like break the illusion and mm -hmm. come on with, you know, our guns blazing and wake up. You know, it, it's not like that because it's the end of the doing and the falling away of all the doing and keeping ourselves together and, playing out whatever patterns we have in our lives and keeping those going. There's a lot of effort that happens in, in that. And that's the uh, sense of the separate self. It's not like a real thing. It's just the sense of it. And then the falling away of that is the realization that life continues beautifully and flourishes magnificently without all of that. So all of this requires inner investigation and ultimately the sense of the body as separate. So that would require uh, just a continual bringing attention inside, moving toward our inner thoughts and feelings and physical sensations to investigate what's actually true. A very simple investigation regarding the body is to close your eyes and then you don't actually know in your own experience that you have a body. The, the body is only a memory at that point in time. And that's a, a very simple but um, profound, actually, doorway in to, to questioning what is this body. If I close my eyes and I can't see it, where is it? 
and you might feel sensation and there might be some sense of of locality of things being located in certain places but that's still mind and so when we just open to with our eyes closed just open to our experience there's just this experience arising and the the practice of that takes us into the possibility of questioning who am i and maybe i'm not this body and maybe i'm not these thoughts hmm. you know uh i'm a psychotherapist as well and I kind of got out of it mostly because I saw that I was actually reinforcing people's sense of self, you know, as they go into their childhood or, or their problems. And it sounds like you're not, well, do you focus on things like that when people come to you? And if you do, how do you not reinforce this separate sense of self? So I always a hundred percent am holding the space of who this being in front of me actually is and i know that i know they're not their story i know they're not their problems even though they feel like they're defined by their problems and so so knowing that and i know that without a shadow of a doubt i'm always looking for ways to bring a fresh perspective to the story that feels so attached and grabby for the person so Yes, I do sometimes go into the past and sometimes, and just to be very clear, the past is not the past because there is no such thing. The mm. past is how that experience that happened sometime before is being held right now. That's, that's the thing about the past, the stories. And often our stories are like, if we went back and saw what actually happened and then how they're held by someone now, they're probably two different things. So the most important thing is to look at what the effects are of what we call the past now in, uh, in the person's direct experience. But I do sometimes ask people if there might be something that happened in someone's childhood that's uh, related to the current places that they're stuck right now and, and inquire into that because it might be useful information to help with the release of the identification with these um, patterns that might be causing trouble for someone. So unless there's more extreme trauma, I don't spend a lot of time talking about the past, but, mm -hmm. um, but it can be a useful, um, a useful tool to understand the coping mechanisms that are happening now. Mm -hmm. and, and are the coping mechanisms and the strategies that we taken on to address our you know, our early stressful life events, are they actually part of the problem? I mean, contributing, in other words, making it worse, like um, like um, trying to control our emotions or obsessive thinking or, or whatever? Mm -hmm. Or people-pleasing is another big ah, one right. that I come mm -hmm. across. Um, I don't call those a problem at all because if you look at the circumstances that happened early in life to the person, these are understandable coping strategies and you know we just you know people in challenging circumstances especially children in challenging circumstances we're all just trying to do our best so i don't look at it as a block or an interference i i bring more compassion to that kind of strategizing that people engage in because they're only just trying the best to cope with what they have in their lives and those strategies ultimately if what we want is freedom and 
uh, awakening is that to investigate those strategies because ultimately they don't work. They worked back then, but now like somebody who's a strong people pleaser, it's something I see a lot. Um, it, it helped to gain a sense of safety in a, a, a chaotic family. But now in life, when the chaotic family isn't here anymore, is that a useful strategy? Probably not. So it's good to bring um, awareness to that strategy and be able to find our way out of that. Speaking as a uh, recovering people pleaser, yeah. um, so I come to you with this and, you, and I get to see this strategy. I get some awareness about it. Are there other, or how might you operate with that? And how might I become more free of that, uh, that burden? First is to see the pain of it because there has to be some motivation. You know, if it's working, and I see people who don't want to give it up, and that's valid too, because it, it's somehow feeding them and, and they're not in enough pain, I want to say, or they get, they're still getting enough out of it, that, that, that they're not really motivated to, um, to find their way through it. But when you really feel into it, and maybe you've done this in your own experience, um, you see, how uh, it's fruitless for the most part, it's effortful, it's based on a sense of inner lack. And, um, you know, because people who are people pleasers are trying to get something that they think they don't have themselves. So there's a misunderstanding about reality in all of that. Um, so that would be the first thing to, to, for me as a therapist, just to assess where the person is with that and, and, if they're really sick of it and wanting to find their way through it. And if that's the case, it's about like uncovering the layers and bringing a deep uh, attention and willingness to inquire into the actual thoughts or belief systems that are running. So I'm inadequate, I don't have enough, or you know, some very negative self-talk that people can engage in to recognize that that's thought happening and I often educate people about what thinking is because they don't it's so familiar it's just so um, ongoing we don't even realize what we're doing so recognizing that 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 kind of thought pattern is happening so that they can begin to recognize it in their own experience as it's happening so that they can start to question it and so thoughts and then also going into feelings um, which are often shame and anxiety around the people-pleasing pattern and um, opening ultimately into the, the how that pattern lives in the body because a component of emotion is how that emotion shows up in the body. So being able to recognize that pattern of sensations that might come with that pattern with, of people-pleasing and often there's tension there. And um, you know when you really with great um, love and honesty uh, go into that pattern, people realize how painful it actually is. And when you go into that pattern and, and, and when you educate people about thinking and the, the sort of automatic nature of it and um, the fact that emotions have a, a body component, do you then take the next step of asking uh, of bringing it to awareness or asking in what does this appear or those kinds of uh, in that kind of direction? 
I go there sometimes. It often depends on the interest of the person yeah. and what, what they're here for. And, and even, you know, I work with people with a range of interests in spirituality and awakening, and I don't push it at all. So there are people who have, you know, obviously different levels of interest in awakening and in spirituality, but I'm always looking for the ways to point out the suffering that comes with this sense of separation or the personal self. I may not use that language, but everybody understands suffering. So I would use that language and, um, and point out how those patterns create suffering for someone and um, ultimately open to the possibility of freedom from that. So, um, so your question was about do I actually invite people into this space that everything appears in? And yes, I do that often in, the, in a guided meditation. So I'll just kind of um, spontaneously go into a guided meditation in a session that often happens. And so there's this, the awareness of the thoughts and physical sensations and the feelings. And then I'll point people to the space that these appear in, to this awareness. And Everyone can do that, you know, no matter what their interest is. And when I kind of guide it very, in, maybe in, in a sequential way, let's say, it, it doesn't feel weird. It just feels completely natural and relaxing. Yeah, I'm struck, Gail, you know, with how similar your approach is with my clients as well. And, and even other people I know, I think the people have seen what works and the technology of what's needed and how to help people getting more clear in certain ways. Um, one of the things I'm wondering is, uh, do you also offer people methods to deal with stuff during the week outside of your sessions that help them to progress in ways that you think are fruitful? Definitely, yes. I mean, one hour a week is not going to do it. And I, I don't often don't see people weekly. It's less than that. So... Um, as much as someone is willing to put into their own growth and freedom, the better by far. So I'll make suggestions. I don't give assignments, but I will make suggestions to, for example, um, a, a time that people, I notice that people report a, a, an increase in suffering is right when they wake up, not right when they wake up in the morning, but then when they realize like they're facing the day, there's this, uh, you know, I'm facing the day, there's a heaviness. I've had a lot of reports of that. So I might offer um, uh, and, and help someone learn how to deal with that moment, how to relate to that moment so that it doesn't take over and become their reality for the day. And what that might look like is just, first of all, to notice that that feeling is there it might be something as simple as putting a hand on the heart and a hand on the belly and breathing, just breathing with it um, and uh, feeling the sensations and not going into the story about it, but being with the direct experience of that moment. And, um, and then, you know, a few minutes like that and then go on with the day. And that can be enough over time to, to break the pattern of that moment and, and, and offer more, freedom around that so that's an example of something that i might do another one is at the end of the day to reflect back and see the places where uh, there might have been some stuckness in a familiar pattern 
that's been missed during the day and then maybe journal about it or reflect about it inside or inquire. And I'm, I'm very specific about how to invite people to inquire. And, um, and, and so I often hear, uh, I get stuck in my patterns and, you know, I can't do anything about it because they're automatic and, you know, I just realize it later on. And that's great. That's the starting point because every, time that there's this bit of awakening and realizing you've been stuck in some kind of automatic programming, that's a, a moment of celebration. So whenever that moment is, it doesn't matter. And so the invitation is to make really good use of that moment and reflect back about how that pattern took hold and what it actually was and what the alternatives might be. So it's really giving an invitation to uh, the pattern to lose its power, to begin to soften, to um, to break up ultimately. And that is all offering a crack into the realization of our true nature. And do you see that realization of our true nature? I mean, it, that sounds to me very different from traditional uh, psychotherapy. Uh, and do you, you see it that way? And did you have any trouble adjusting to the new way? The new way became quite natural for me uh, uh, as an outgrowth of my own path and, you know, realization and, and how that all transpired. Because once I saw the truth of things, it was absolutely impossible to keep doing psychotherapy the more traditional way. In fact, I saw how ultimately for myself, because I had a lot of psychotherapy in the past that wasn't helpful at all. As I look back now, um, I can see how a story based, as you were saying earlier, you know, a, a finding the healing in the story, it ultimately isn't the thing that's actually going to help people. And I know that very clearly right now. So I'm always looking at ways to help people find their way out of this story. And whether that's like a formal awakening or not, to be honest, I don't really care about that one way or another. What I care about is freedom and freedom in the middle of, of our messy, scary lives so that we can see that they're ultimately brilliant lives and the, the learning of the possibility of that and then the living of the possibility of that and and that takes the focus off of, am I at like dichotomy? Am I awake or am I not awake? Which I don't think is a useful uh, dichotomy. And, and instead focusing on the possibility that's available in any moment to lose interest in the thinking that brings suffering to our lives and, and know that this freedom is possible here and now, not forever, not in the future. And, you know, not like so-and-so has it and I don't have it. Not, not like, like that thinking around it, I don't think is useful, but to, to wake up in the moment and realize what's possible, everybody can do that. Hmm. And, and what, and what is this freedom? How would you, how would you describe, describe it? Is this freedom to be ourselves or freedom from a particular thing or? Or how, how specifically would you define that freedom? It's both of those things. It's freedom from the constrictions of the separate self, from our expectations about how things are supposed to be, from any um, defensiveness or resistance or 
fear of any of our inner experience. Ultimately, in awakening, there's no unconscious. There's just the full allowing of all experience and the field of um, awareness or aware presence is doing that already, is always allowing everything to be as it is, and it's everything. And so that's where people talk about how awakening, there's no end to it, it's ongoing, like it's oh, a little contraction here, or a memory comes, or a little stuck place, or, you know, and, and that, in my experience, it becomes a joy to meet all of that. So it's that, and also, my own experience is there's no um, mediation of the separate self. There's, which means there's no cause and effect. There's no, I'm going to do this to get that. Uh, there's no attachment to outcomes. There's just the full surrendering into life as it's unfolding right now and living. I want to say living that fully, but if you're surrendered in it, you can't help but live it fully. That's what's going to naturally happen and um and that's that's the possibility and the separate self the thoughts around things the you know that's really not needed to live there are fears around giving that up you know what's going to happen to my family life am i going to sit like a blob and never do anything you know these are fears of the mind about what that might be like but the living of it itself is um uh, infinitely spacious. Yes. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I'm wondering, you know, before uh, this started being recorded, you mentioned that you're living a little bit of a more nomadic life now. Yeah. And I'm wondering how um, you make these decisions or, or how it might occur differently for you now than maybe before when you were prior awakening. And how, how do you, how do you determine what to do? Um, I listen, I wait, which isn't even quite the right word. I allow and I listen. And that doesn't mean I don't plan and, you know, I'm a pretty responsible person and my life is kind of together, you know, all of that happens, but there's also this just, you know, Listen, I, I guess that's the best way to say it, this deep listening and it's listening beyond the the ideas of this person and beyond fear that's probably the most important thing when we make decisions based on fear um, and ultimately uh, everything about the personal self is fear-based um, then our decisions are going to be misguided and contracted and um, and not completely free so um there's the freedom to do any like the surrender is like take me and just show me it's a thousand percent and that mm -hmm. willingness to do whatever it is even if it feels weird or you know totally out of the box or you know unconventional um you know none of that matters to me it's it's the the reverence for what's being shown and the willingness to um, to let that be, and that's not fear-based. Then that's that's beyond fear at that point. So, so to say a little more about my nomadic lifestyle, um, you know, people have asked me why. So it's been close to a year at this point, and um, so I don't have a specific home or a place. 
I tend to be located in the Bay Area, but that's just kind of kind of a base. But I come and go a lot, and um, it's, it's there's no why to it. It's the only why is because that's how the movement came in me. And in the beginning, it, when I first got that, it was a bit surprising. And then you know I looked at everything I would be giving up and how would I do that? And you know there's the future was kind of a big empty space because when you live like that you don't know what things are going to look like so it was a bit of getting used to that and and checking like is this right and you know i didn't jump on it right away i kind of you know let it um unfold and and kind of percolate in me and then um you know it started becoming completely obvious and then the specific actions that were needed took place and um yeah and then it just unfolds and it, I have to say, it's been absolutely amazing what's been, how it's been for me. I appreciate your bravery. I've been through uh, maybe a, a three-year period earlier in my life that was like that. And people ask me about it, and I have a hard time describing it. But uh, your words brought back that mm. process. And, and I know it can look strange to other people, but when you're in it, it's like, it's it is as you said obvious that you're being guided yes yeah and then when you're out there in that way i've met lots of other people like me and you know most people aren't like that so there's this feeling of contrast like i'm doing the weird thing but um when i've traveled i've met lots of people like me it's kind of my tribe <laughs> <laughs> well it certainly does seem brave uh, and it also seems brave to be able to really look at our emotions and, and just simply have them, yes. uh, allow them to be, and, uh, and then notice the, the sort of allowing empty, clear spaciousness in which they appear. And I've found that when I do that, that uh, I'm flooded with, with a sense of joy and, and happiness and, and love. Uh, but some other people report that when they do that, they simply get a sense of, um, of emptiness. And they're looking and they're wondering where the joy and, and love is. Have you ever uh, encountered that? Or do you think that's like a, like a stage when you feel that life is, is a little bit dry? If life is feeling a little bit dry, so so what I what I'm hearing you say is, you start with investigating some emotion, like mm -hmm. probably a challenging emotion. Is that what you mean? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then um, then opening to that, which mm -hmm. I want to 100% support, because the more that we can turn toward our own experience and all of it, the the freer we are, because we learn to have a a, uh, a friendly relationship with our experience as opposed to one where it, it's based on fear that we need to avoid. So yes, big yes to turning toward all of our experience, even the hard places. And if that moves into a place of feeling empty, not in a good way, in a dry way, then that deserves more investigation because life isn't dry. It's it's so alive and if there's something there that doesn't feel that way then then that's to be investigated and maybe and that's that, covering over something or 
you know, you've hit a place that that's maybe, you know, it's easier to feel dry than to feel terrified of the feeling that's underneath it. So that might be what's going on in that case. Yeah, that was my suspicion. Someone asked me this question last night and uh, and um, and I thought that that may be true. And so you might treat it the same way you would treat an emotion. In other words, that feeling of emptiness or um, which engendered in this person's case a, a fear that mm -hmm. that then you can investigate that in the same way you would investigate uh, any other emotion. As you Absolutely. You just go right for the direct experience, whatever it is. And if it's flatness, you know, explore flatness, like, and the direct experience, meaning beyond the label of it, but like, what is that like in the body? That would be the way to go with that. You know, what is right. that sense in the body and how, like, like a question that I often ask is what is happening right now in your experience that's making you give it the label um, flat, for example, you know, and I'll, I might even say, teach me how to be flat and empty. And they have to go into their direct experience to be able to do that. That's so good. Yeah. What a great tip. I like that. <laughs> teach me to, how do you get to flat? How do you, how do you manage to create that experience? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the exploring of, you know, of the direct experience of that. And then, you know, once this is going back to an earlier question, once, um, you know, that feels full, the, the exploration of that, I might then point the person to the space that that's arising in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once that investigation of the object, the feeling, the sensation uh, or pattern of sensations feels, I don't want to use the word complete because it's not, but, you know, feels deep and full, like something's opened there. I might then um, just allow that uh, the inquiry to expand into the space that that's arising in. Hmm. I appreciate how well you describe these sometimes difficult things to to describe and feel very in unison with your approach. Um, we are hoping that you do a guided meditation, but before that, is there anything else that you would like to add that we haven't touched upon? Um, I just want to encourage people to stoke the fire for what you really, really want. So to really go inside and say, what do I want? To ask inside, is there something deeper that's wanted here, the freedom? And I, I imagine every person who's listening to your podcast here wants that, that something deeper, that freedom, that uh, you know, possibility that you hear about. And that was true for me. I heard about it at one point years ago. I didn't even know it or understand it. And that's like, that's the spark. That's the beginning. And to stoke that fire, uh, and do what you need to do and, and, um, follow that because that's a, a beautiful, uh, invitation and instinct. That is beautiful. So, um, you you said that you often guide people in meditations spontaneously in your sessions, and yeah. our listeners often like to listen to guided meditations. And uh, we'd love to hear anything that you feel might be useful to our listeners in that. Sure. In that way. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, uh, if it feels comfortable, 
you can close your eyes and I'll do that. And just start by taking a couple of breaths. And you don't have to purposely slow the breath down or do anything specific with it, but just put the attention on the sensations of breathing and see how the breath is moving in the body. And give yourself a sense of quiet just to take everything that's been said here and just kind of release it and notice the silence that's here right now. And I think in this guided meditation, we'll use the metaphor of the mind being like the sky. So whatever you call mind, and it might be located in your head or it might not be. But just imagine that your mind is wide open and clear like the sky that doesn't have any clouds in it. It's open, endlessly spacious. And you might notice there's no border or boundary. There's just wide open space. And with your eyes closed, you don't know for a fact that your mind is located in your head. So there's no sense of the head, which means there's infinite spaciousness. You might notice that thoughts pop in and feelings and, you know, other just aspects of the normal human experience. These can come in like clouds. But there's always the possibility of shifting our attention to this openness which is like the sky. Sometimes the clouds that come through are a little bit of stormy weather. We get caught in difficult feelings. We don't feel good for one reason or another. There's a whirlwind of thinking. All the, the emotions and ways that we get stuck in our thinking, they come through like clouds. They come and they go. But we have a very friendly relationship with them when we see ourselves as sky. So it's possible to be here as this openness not touching 
those thoughts and feelings that come through. They arise and they pass on. And here you are, open and pure. And notice what it's like to be this sense of sky. It's so alive, so relaxing, and completely free. Thank you. That was lovely. I really appreciate your compassion and integration of psychotherapy and awakening. Uh, it kind of validates what I've been trying to do, and I see uh, how well you do it and how well you explain it. So it was personally useful. Okay. And I really liked your answers and, and inspired by the courage of you diving completely into wherever you're guided to be. And we need as many people willing to do that as possible this uh, stressful time in the world. That's for Thank sure. You. Yes, I'm so grateful that you could come on, and uh, I think our listeners are really going to uh, get a better understanding of how 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 to look at their problems, their emotions, and their true nature. Yeah. It's a learning. Sorry, it can be learned. You know, how, like, how do you do this? And there are ultimately, you know, you can't, you know, think your way into awakening, but there's a lot that we can learn to do in terms of relating with our own experience. Yeah. How do people get hold of you, Gail? So uh, my website is gailbrenner.com, G-A-I-L-B-R-E-N-N-E-R.com. Um, I have books on Amazon, uh, and you know, the contact information is on my website. I also have a Facebook page where I post, um, five days a week. I, oh, I wow. put out, I write something every week. It's called Friday Inspiration. So if you sign up for the mail, the mailing list, uh, you'll be getting those as well. Yes. I highly recommend that I subscribe and I look forward mm-hmm. to it every Friday. I think they're wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I hope our listeners uh, got as much benefit as Brian and I did and make use of our meditations that are on awarenessexplorers.com and all the other episodes and and all the other stuff we normally say. <laughs> um, but most important, always keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website, at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And we'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.